Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. It is Judd's Hockey Show. It's a Wednesday. It's Judd. It's Declan. And really, on Wednesdays, we turn the show over more so to Jesse Pierce, who who not only brings some looks to a show that, well, aside from Dex's mustache, desperate, desperately needs looks, but also brings knowledge. She is around the ring constantly. You can find her, of course, in the Bar Down Beauties podcast. You can also find her work, NHL.com. She covers the wild and uh, does an outstanding job there. And Jesse, I'm just going to turn it to you because you just got back from practice. I did. And um, you tweeted about this. Kirill Kaprizov back on the ice. What can you tell us about something that I'm sure will excite wild fans to no end? I mean, I know people were worried about ligaments and, and ankles. He hasn't missed a beat. He it's he was wearing a non-contact jersey today at practice. It's his first practice with the group. He had skated with Andy Ness uh, ahead of the game the other night. So he's progressing normally. They're trying to be patient. But even in this non-contact jersey, you guys, he was bumping. He was, I mean, it's hard to hold him back. You can tell that he is raring to go. Dean Evson said they're going to continue to try to be patient with him. He will travel with the team to Pittsburgh when they face the Penguins tomorrow night. Uh, li- very likely he will not play. They'll obviously evaluate after skate. Both him and Gustav Nyquist will skate with the group at morning skate. And I suppose if, if you know, either one already, I don't see it happening. Uh, but Evison did say that there is potential for possibly at least one of them to be good to go when Minnesota comes back uh, against St. Louis on Saturday, excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, he looked great. I joked, I asked Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, how is, how is Kaprizov shot? And Fleury said he's slow. He's muffining shots out there. He's just terrible when really, obviously, that's not the case. Again, he, he looks fantastic. He looks like the 97 that you all know and love. So good news is he is, his return is imminent here, it looks like. Well, that's fantastic. Where Where is, um, since you brought him up, Nyquist at, just as far yeah, as his recovery? Kind of the same situation a little bit. I mean, obviously, Nyquist hasn't played since January, which is kind of the one question mark. He's been practicing. He's been skating with the group in that non-contact jersey. He's been traveling for longer than Kaprizov. But again, they think they're just making sure they're very patient. Dean did mention today that there's a possibility for him to jump into the lineup before the end of the regular season. They will see. They will continue to evaluate. I personally would love to see that. I would love to see what Gustav Nyquist could bring, especially because he's got to learn this whole new system a little bit with the team in gameplay, and he hasn't played a real game in months. So it'd be curious. I mean, Bill Guerin went out and got him for a reason. Why not see what he can do before playoffs come? Uh, but yeah, so I mean, they're just, again, trying to be incredibly patient with him to make sure that he is 110% good to go before slotting him in. 
Looking at Nyquist, uh, Jess, and now with Mason Shaw's unfortunate injury, and this is kind of what Judd was talking about with, hey, how are we going to fit this guy in the lineup? We did a couple combination episodes last week on that idea, and Judd said, hey, unfortunately how this usually happens is an injury opens things up, and unfortunately it's Mason Shaw's knee for like the fourth time who's undergoing another ACL tear, sadly. Uh, do you kind of see him? Is it is it just Nyquist for Shaw straight up? Is there more shuffling of the deck? How do you kind of see Nyquist now fitting in with Shaw's injury? I mean, you're still going to need to bump some guys around, right? Because you've got Kirill Kaprizov coming back. Right now, I did like Brandon Duhame on that fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Connor mm-hmm. Dewar. He brings a lot of speed to that line. That line had been clicking tremendously with Mason Shaw. Again, such an unfortunate situation for, for that kid. You got to feel for him. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at another guy still needs to come out. I mean, Kaprizov, you know where he's going. He's going right back on that top line. You don't mess with that second. I mean... I it Gustav Nyquist comes in it can't be a one for one it has you know he's gonna have to he can't just take Shaw's place so we'll see I mean Sam Steele obviously will come out uh but still one more body needs to go when both of those guys return so it'll be it'll be good as Dean Evson likes to say it's a good problem to have right guys that they have too many bodies uh but you all know who I think should maybe sit and I I don't know yeah good friend of yours incredible um (laughs) <laughs> Marcus Foligno so hurt that you've turned on him like this. I know. So what? So so what is if if and again it's a big if if everybody stays healthy now, going into game one of of the playoffs and let's say that Gustav Nyquist comes back and you know plays a couple games and looks good and certainly he brings some firepower this team could probably use. Does Sunquist sit? Like I'm not a huge fan of that because I like what he brings as far as the sandpaper goes. Mm-hmm. But I think Jess, you you brought up to me in the press box on. Monday night, and you're right, you know, Felino and Sunquist, and there's sort of a list of guys here who are a little bit redundant as far as because they're sandpaper guys, which I really like, but does he sit if Felino's not going to sit? I mean, it's worth a conversation. I think you're looking at a Connor Dewar or a Brandon Duhame. I think Connor Dewar is probably first on the chopping block just because he is young. Um, you know, Sunquist is older, has the experience. Duhame even has a little bit more experience than that. Um, so I think that's the way that Dean looks at it. You had mentioned players that are similar. I mean, you got Ryan Reeves, Felino, Duhame is scrappy enough, Hartman's scrappy enough, right? So, I mean, you have enough physical presence that you don't necessarily need all of that jumbled up um, with the skill. And Gustav Nyquist brings the skill. So, yeah, I mean, you certainly could opt out of one of your quote-unquote tough guys in favor of uh, a skill set like Gustav Nyquist could potentially bring and yeah Sunquist kind of the same but he's you know what I don't think he's getting as much notoriety as maybe he deserves he's been quietly just playing the right kind of game the right kind of complete game that you need I mean Marcus Johansson stepped in and has immediately clicked with Matt Boldy and gotten on the score sheet so everybody's eyes are obviously on him but I think Oscar Sunquist has done a great job in his role as well so I would say probably not him I would lean toward again one of those younger guys in Dewar or Duhame uh just getting the short end of the stick simple as can be so we'll see what happens but that would be my opinion if Dean could listen to me for once yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, and and with uh, with now like Boldy it. still playing very, very well, um, I don't know about you, Jess, but I'm just so curious how both of that gels with Kirill Kaprizov coming back, right? Like Boldy's been basically your Superman uh, since Kirill went down. Does he resort back to kind of being um, a streaky player that wasn't showing up on the stat sheet? Is this now a legit you know, kind of Batman and Robin one-two punch? Do you feel once Kirill comes back that... Matt Boldy can still be lighting the lamp as as much as he has uh, over his absence. 
I mean, why can't he be right? What well, there would be real, no real change to what his line is doing out there. There's no real change to the role that Matt Boldy has been playing all year long. I mean, you go back to February where he had that goalless drought and he wasn't producing and he was just trying. Um, and then you look at this last month and it's like, boom, here he is. This is Matt Boldy. He can do X, Y, Z. And it's, it's fantastic, but nothing changed then either. So nothing should change this way either. You would hope. I mean, he still has, he knows he can shoot. Um, and I imagine Kirill Kaprizov is going to be like, guys, I can't do this all by myself again. And I mean, the team knows that, right? Everybody knows that we harp on the secondary scoring all season long. And now that that's finally going, the hope and the ideal situation is Kirill Kaprizov comes back and just adds on to what he was already doing and adds on to Matt Boldy's. And you're finally getting the offensive production that you are going to need come playoff time. And don't forget, too, in the uh, six-game loss in the first round of the Blues last spring, it was Fiala who disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the the important thing because Kaprizov still was fantastic. But, Jesse, you're right. He can't do it by, by him, himself. And so, and whoever th- they open against in the first round is going to do everything in their power to shut down 97. So right. that's the point is, like, Boldy, it's, there's going to be pressure there. Like, like he needs to if not continue scoring like he's currently scoring, which is, I think, 13 goals in 12 games, which is, you know, nuts. He's, that line is going to need to bring a regular scoring presence because among the problems, and there were a few of them that we could go through from the Blues series a year ago, was that one. Like, that mm-hmm. secondary scoring just disappeared, and it's like, okay, it's the Kirill show. Well, that's not going to work. So it will be interesting to see as there's more pressure, and certainly the games tighten up because the playoffs change a lot. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how much Boldy can continue at, at this pace because teams are going to focus on him more. But I still think that no matter what happens, as long as Kirill is playing, he is going to be the primary focus. So a guy like Boldy absolutely has to score if you're going to get beyond that first round. Well, I mean, yeah, and especially if Boldy is going up against the net. Right now, you're seeing him do this against most likely the opposition's top defensive pair, right? I mean, especially when they're on the road and that home team gets the last change, they're able to get the matchup that they want for Boldy. Uh, the same thing will happen. I mean, now they're going to, that top defensive pair, when that team gets the matchup, is going against Kirill Kaprizov. So that should hopefully open up some things for Matt Boldy as well to continue to assert himself. I have no doubt. I mean, the confidence, but also the humbleness of Matt Boldy. I think just speaks volumes. I think he's just going to continue. I don't, again, he doesn't feel like he's changed anything in his game from the outside. It certainly looks like he's shooting the puck a lot more, which is a big, big change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he needs to keep it going. And, and in fact, all the lines need to keep going. I think you have seen different contributions again, whether it ends up on the score sheet or not from all four lines so far in this little bit of hot streak that Minnesota has come into. And that's what you need. It sounds simple and it sounds like so duh, but truly you need to have all four lines rolling to be successful in the playoffs. And that goes back into your goaltender, which guys, can I drop this hot, hot news on you a little bit? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Dean Evson said he is willing to go with the tandem in the playoffs and not just name one goalie. That's because that's what I told him to do. I've been saying that for what? Two (laughs) weeks now. I've been saying that for two weeks. You know what? In fact, I just wrote a piece for Minnesota hockey magazine that should be posted today referencing the 2003 rotation of sorts. Yeah. It's that. This is yeah. the 2003 team. I keep telling people that. You got to listen to me, folks. This is Rollison and Manny. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, Colorado series, Manny starts, plays, uh, I think he played two games, and they lost, or no, he played three games. They lost. 
Roley comes in, right? And they go back and forth. So, yes, that's – I think Dean – I I think the lesson that he learned because he screwed this up beyond belief last year was you don't make this move too late. Right. Right? So, yes, Dean, yeah. thank you. No, I point blank had the opportunity to ask him today for a different story for, for NHL.com. And he's like, when, you know, I had asked, I said, a lot of teams don't believe in that. When it comes to playoffs, they believe yeah. in riding their one goaltender, right? And that's just the way it has trended in the NHL, right or wrong. It just seems to be what happens. And certainly if someone's playing out of their mind, it's hard to not have them in net. But he's yeah. like, we believe it can work. We believe we've been doing it all year long. So it sounds like he's going to continue or at least consider, um, you know, having that rotation be a pretty regular situation. Class. Think about how helpful that could be. It's so funny because it seems like such a foreign concept, because as I mentioned, teams don't do it anymore, especially come playoff time. So it seems weird to like have a fresh goalie in there and just to throw the other team off and then to give flurry a little bit of a rest, you know, or to give Gus a little like. All of it sounds really positive, so I'm hoping Dean sticks to that. Again, he had mentioned, obviously, if one of them gets going, that'll probably be the end of that. But, yeah, I was yeah. super thrilled Love to it. hear that answer from Dean Evson, obviously, as I am the goaltending guru. Uh, Jess, what is what is your gut telling you on that topic of, of the goalie rotation? Have you swayed? Is it Philip Gustafson's net for game one? Is it Flurry's net for game one? If the playoffs were to start today, who probably does get the opening nod? If it's my call, I'm going Flurry game one. And then I would honestly, no matter how Flurry does, I'd probably put in Gus in game two and just kind of com- make the comparison there. I mean, again, if Flurry's lights out, that's one thing. I don't anticipate because it's playoffs. That's that's hard to do. But um, I would still go Flurry game one just because he has that veteran playoff experience. Gus doesn't have that yet. And Gus is a confident goalie, a technical goalie, and a calm goalie. So I know him going into the playoffs isn't going to be intimidating by any stretch of the imagination. I just, my gut instantly says, you go Flurry first. Not a slight to Gus at all. But then you have Gus come back for, for game two. Um, you know, again, like Judd said, rather than waiting and pulling what they did last year and putting them in, in game five, I would, you know, alternate, rotate it, see who plays better against that opposition too, whoever you get for the matchup. Jesse Pierce, I'm looking at the line chart from the Golden Knights game. I think you just hit on what the lines are. Mm-hmm. So so you said Dewar comes out, which I've been assuming would not be, be the case because he is the center and a good PK guy on that fourth line. But I think you hit it. So I think Dewar comes out. Duhame, who I think can play, if I'm not mistaken, and has played center before. Mm, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, not on a super regular basis. Okay. But anyway, how about Reeves, Duhame, Foligno? Mm-hmm. Nyquist, I don't think there's there's no room in, in the top six. Like you're not going to, unless you're going to demote Zuccarello, Carbon. which which we could talk about. Now Hartman's going to stay there. Zicarello we can talk about. But anyway, he's he's going to stay with with Kaprizov. So the third line, and this would require a, a right wing going to the left side. Some guys are okay with that. Some guys struggle a bit more. But the third line then, to your point, would be Goudreau, Sunquist, and Nyquist. That actually works. Like mm-hmm. as long as somebody can play left wing, because there's just no room. I, I mean, where, wh- who are you going to bump out for game one of the playoffs from th- those top six? I don't see a guy. T- now, if Zuccarello continues to scuffle, the conversation can change. But 
I think you hit it. I think Dewar comes out, Duhame goes to center, and then your guy, Felino, you don't scratch him necessarily, but you do put him on that fourth line, yeah. and he can be a really good fourth line player. I think, I think so. I think that works. Yeah. I mean, that you hope that Felino can keep up with some, because I think even Ryan Reeves moves really quick, a little bit quicker than Felino. So I think that would be my one thing oh, is make sure. Just- this poor guy's gonna find out I what you're saying. He's never gonna talk to you again. He's literally my favorite player, too. I know. I'm just You I, just said Revo moves quicker than him. Kind of does sometimes. He's gonna have to go home and cry. <laughs> he can join you in know. the press box up there, Jesse. You can you guys can snack on popcorn and, and just watch from up there. I mean, maybe that's it. That's really my secret motivation is just so Felino <laughs> can hang out with us in the press box. That's why I want to see him scratch. So who knows? But that works, right, Declan? Yeah, I would think that would work. Um yeah, the Nyquist, Goudreau, Sunquist one would be really interesting. I think Nyquist would be right your more legit offensive threat. You know, does he yeah. bring enough defensive prowess, or can his line mates make up for his defensive, you know, miscues, if you will, or, or lack of being a good defender? That's where I'd be curious. But I think that's probably the best bet of it of of Nyquist drawing in. To Judd's point, I don't think he's going to crack the top six. I haven't loved Zuccarello's game basically since Kirill has went down. But if you get Kirill back, you know, those two have so much chemistry that you'd like to think that that will be connected once again. And Zuccarell kind of finds his game a little bit more. That's probably the best bet of fitting Nyquist into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And I try it out. I don't hate it by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like, it's, I don't hate it. I'm not sitting here being like, e-. well, he's going to play like he's going to get a chance to play. Right. Like, there's no way that he is going they're They're just going to acquire him. And then if he can play, not play him. Right. Now, if he comes back and he's super rusty and doesn't play well, he certainly could be scratched. But I think that's the – because I've just been trying to figure out who do you take out. And I don't love Dewar coming out, but, like, your point about Dean, Jess, is a 1,000% right. Like, Dean's first thought is not going to be what veteran can I bench. It's going to be what right. young whippersnapper can I take out. So mm-hmm. that actually makes perfect sense. Okay, on the subject of Zuccarello, he scored two goals the first two games – that Kaprizov went out. He hasn't scored a goal since. Uh, I thought he showed up a little bit more in Monday's game. Like, I feel like I saw him more. Um, But his performance during this, what's been for the most part, a marvelous stretch has been, in my opinion, incredibly underwhelming for a guy in the top six who's, who more is expected from. And I know we talk about Kirill and Matt's magic and Kirill coming back should help. I don't think that gives Zuccarello, though, Jesse, a pass on really how poorly he's played at times, including what I feel like is a way too many defensive zone mishandles of the puck and turnovers as well. I have been, if there's one thing that has really underwhelmed me uh, in, you know, starting in February, certainly into now, it's the play of Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, I mean, this season kind of in general hasn't been, it wasn't last year, right? And you can say that for a number of players, of course, but it just, something's off. And granted, when you went out and signed Matt Zuccarello, you were already getting him at kind of the tail end of his career. I I hate to say this because this is my exact age, but he's 35, right? Which is kind of on the the phone slide. You guys are getting up there. Getting old. Um, But no, I mean, I think when Kirill Kaprizov went out, the hope and the idea was that Matt Zuccarello is the next guy up. He's going to elevate this team. He's going to show everybody I'm not just Kirill's Robin to his Batman, right? But he's been just that. Matt Zuccarello, you're right, Judd. I think Monday he was really buzzing. He, you saw him much more and not in just a bad way. But you're right. More often than not, it's not been good at all. So you hope 
Kirill can reignite whatever was there. But yeah, Matt Zuccarill just seems kind of off. Maybe it's because he's a new dad. Maybe that's kind of part of the problem, right? Wasn't that a joke a couple years ago that all these guys had babies and they all yep. missed the playoffs that year, I think? So it yep. could be that. But yeah, he's his game is just not what it used to be. He's making a lot of poor decisions, a lot of sloppy passes. Then he kind of cheats a little bit too, which once you start cheating, you know that you're not doing the right things. Now, Dean Evson hasn't seen it our way, which again, frustrates me. But I mean, I something you got to figure out something to get him going. And Kirill's probably the missing factor. But I don't know. There's it just seems a little off with Matt's this season. I will say you probably have because of Kirill, you probably have gotten more out of Matt's than what was anticipated when you signed him to that five year mm-hmm. full no move contract too, by the way, from Paul Fenton, one of his last acts before getting axed. Um, and you've gotten more out of him. Next year's the last year of his deal. I don't see a situation where he's re-signed. So I, I think as a whole, actually the signing has worked out probably even better than we thought it was when he signed here four seasons ago. But he he doesn't with with without a legit superstar to play him with. He's he, he's not he's a non-factor at this point. Like he was really good with the Rangers as being that playmaker, and he's played in a ton of playoff games. But I think what you'll likely see is them write out this contract after next season. I mean, he has the full no move, so I don't see him necessarily going anywhere unless he wanted to waive it by the trade deadline next season or this summer. Uh, but he needs Kirill Kaprizov. He needs a superstar to feed into because he's just not going to be someone uh, that carries that line and, and carries production. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The thing that concerns me about him right now is this. He makes plays that lose playoff games. And I'm yeah. talking I'm talking especially defensive zone miscues, which drive me crazy. But, you know, in the course of an 82-game season, they can hurt you, but they don't have to, like, undermine you, right? But some of the stuff that he pulls, and it's just, just you're right, like, just careless. That's the type of stuff that can lose you a playoff game, and you can't get that sucker back. It's not like, oh, we just lost a playoff game. It's fine, right? So. That's what concerns me. To Dex's point, here's my question. How important is Zuccarello's presence to Kaprizov's happiness, too? Yeah. Because Matt says, I will say this, he is he is a genius. He's the employee who's not that great, but sucks up to the right people. And now they're like, Well, you can't you can't fire Declan. I love Declan. And and they're like, but he's well, what's he doing? And it's like, I love him. He can't so I am curious as as Kaprizov's contract is ticking now itself. Um, when it comes time for Matt's to be gone, is Matt's gone? Or are they like, eh, we can't let go? Because you know, Kaprizov's in a position of such strength here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting. And you know, 
Billy Garen, to his credit, doesn't suffer fools. Like, there's no BS there. So my guess is he'd say, Carell, sit down and shut up. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Nonetheless, it's an interesting question. But just in the short term, you know, you throw a puck away in the third period of a one-goal playoff game, and I'll tell you, that puck is going to end up in your net, and now you're screwed. So mm-hmm. that's my concern with Matt's. Well, I've been saying for all season long, you need to get him another Russian. Every game that Minnesota plays against a team that has a Russian, Kirill's there chatting with him. Like, he misses that. He wants that connection. And that's been an ongoing league-wide thing, right? Like, the Russians are happier when they have another Russian with them. Zuccarello was a stand-in. So I think if you get rid of Zuccarello, you got to bring another Ruski over and have that be that to keep Well, they got the kid, right? Right. Yes, that's right. There is one. uh, The center. I can't pronounce his name to save my life. I was almost said Kuznetsov. It's not Kuznetsov, but it's... That's as close as we're all going to get. I think, yeah, yeah, Kuznetsov. But not it. Yes. The pronunciation is the the actual pronunciation is not hard, but the way it's spelled, you would never get the pronunciation unless right. you've actually got it phonetically mm. there, which I don't have right now. So I'll just say that kid, if he can make the team, could help Kirill Kaprizov. Perfect. Why don't you? Why, don't you, like why didn't? Why didn't you just go and sharpen that name? Like sharpen his knives, like our friends at from my doll knives. Okay, sharpen sharpen the the hard to what, K. Smith? The the Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a Declan for God's sakes. Like my name's kind of it, it's it's getting a little more popular. So I think people are getting it right. Uh, but people used to butcher it and have it too sharp. And you know, D Clan, the Clan, Dacian. Everyone couldn't read it right. Now it's, it's like Declan. Now it's Declan and they get it right, but I also because of the because of the nice friends at My Doll Knives and Vivrant, our knives are nice and sharpened. And if you have doll knives, go to mydollknives.com to get those knives sharpened. You can send them in on a safe kit. You can stop it in YZ. Go to Vivrant and go check out mydollknives.com. Okay, back to back, back to back losses. Oh, one and one against the Golden Knights. Uh, they lost on Saturday. Uh, they came back and lost in a shootout on. Monday, as Dean Evison so properly called it, the stupid shootout, which I agree completely with. Um, what's your assessment of this team's play right now, Jesse? Um, you know, Monday's loss was disappointing, but I thought they played fairly well. I think they took advantage of Vegas's mistakes. They certainly looked a lot better than they did when they were in Vegas, without question. And that's not just score related, just in general. They were much more in touch, much more in tune. I mean, I personally blame Patrick Royce for that overtime loss because he had said that they were going to go into overtime and it was going to be a 4-3 score. He did pick the home team when I asked him, but it's probably Royce's fault somehow or another. No, uh, but I think the while they're playing still really good hockey at the right time. I, again, chatting with them after practice today, each one of them, Marcus Foligno, Boldy, Fleury said they're going for that number one spot in the central. So you can imagine that they're going to come out guns a-blazing, doing their best, you know, while trying to maybe play it safe as well because you don't want to get injuries. But, um, you know, they start with a tough one in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a desperate team, still clawing their way, trying to get into the wild card race. So that's going to be a tough one. Um, But, you know, looking ahead, it's a very winnable schedule for Minnesota, um, at least on paper. So I think they're playing the right kind of hockey they need to do to hopefully potentially hang another banner, another division championship banner up at the X. Yeah, I thought they looked. I thought they looked a lot better, but um, it just stunk because I thought after Vegas scored the first goal that they played really well in the second. They played really well up into the third until the last minute with the with the extra attacker pulled and Vegas cashes in. And you know, it was you left a point on the board. You left a chance to still probably maybe maybe even get the top seed in the conference. So a lot better game overall and a lot better play from the Wild. But it was still a little lackluster that you had basically two points right there against the clock and they weren't able to close the deal. 
I thought the loss on Saturday was super instructive because they actually didn't play a terrible game, but they did. But they tried to play in that game. I thought too much of the Golden Knights game, and I think the Golden Knights are a better team. Mm-hmm. And so, like the Wild, you know, again, the, the thing that the only thing because I actually think that this team is well coached, and it's not a unlikable group of of me first type of guys. But on Saturday, I thought they got lulled into we're going to show our skill too. And so, like, they played an okay game. And I got notes because I tweeted that. And folks were like, no, they played great. What are you talking about? Did they, they just lost. And I said, no, that type of game in a playoff game, they will lose right. uh, against the Colorado, which, by the way, was a marvelous game. Now, the thing that where I will tie, because I thought the Monday performance was really good. And I thought that they dictated the play a lot, which I liked. Again, they need to play a heavy game. That doesn't mean they can't skate. But they need to be in control of the flow. And I felt on Monday that they were. Mm-hmm. The two similarities that I see that are playoff concerning, and it's uh, it seems small, but it's going to be important, are the Avalanche game and Monday night's game. You go into that third period, we have a lead, we're going to hold on. And I don't know what the happy medium is exactly, Jesse, but there is one. Um, I'm not suggesting that you try and go – Offense, offense, offense. But their forecheck, when it's going well, is so good. I don't think that you can go into what looks like a prevent defense. And Dex and I discussed this post-game Monday as well. So I think the one thing that Dean has to emphasize, because it almost cost them against the Avs as well, because the Avs took it to them in that third period, is let's not be irresponsible, but we have to push the play more. And we can't just spend the entire period holding on by our breezers in our own zone. I would completely agree. And you've seen that happen numerous times where it's funny last year, third period was everything for Minnesota this year. They kind of go into that shell. And I mean, part of that's probably the confidence in their goaltender. And thankfully they've got two really good goaltenders that have helped them out in more instances than not, but you're absolutely right. For whatever reason, they take their foot off the gas and get too comfortable. Um, And their forecheck is absolutely phenomenal. The way that they can push the pace and you saw this, against Vegas the other night at home is when they're in control, they have complete control and they're playing, they're playing smart hockey. They're not playing the cutesy hockey. I think that's the other problem is yes. I think when they shell up, it's because they are worried they're going to make a terrible pass because they're too excited or they're too, too much going into it is, is kind of my question. But yeah, like I think you're going to have to play. I mean, ultimately, and again, it sounds stupid. You have to play a full 60, right? Like you have to play a full 60. There is no letting off the gas in any situation come playoff time. Now, obviously you're probably not going to be lucky enough to get a huge lead during the playoffs, right? That you would even consider sitting back, but you can't, I mean, this team cannot. And that comes not just from Dean, but Jared Spurgeon and Marcus Foligno and Matt Dumba. They need to be sure that they're relaying that message to other guys, especially to those young guys, because I'm sure the young guys in throughout their careers have maybe been taught that way, right? Because that is a part of hockey as well is to know when to protect your lead. Um, so that could be a change of mentality for some of those younger players, especially as they are experiencing kind of the newness of playoffs in their careers. Yeah, I just want to see them play more of a, a sound game, too, and hopefully that they don't get too cute or not get too cute, but overcompensate for their lack of skill and, and get away from the identity that you'd love to talk about. So if they play up to how they're supposed to play, I think they can go toe to toe with most teams um, in the in the playoffs, whether that's Dallas or Colorado, we'll see who they draw. But I think they, in general, look a lot better. And, and when they play up to their standards, they can be just about anyone. And I, I think the big difference here in going into or attempting to go into that prevent defense is this. In 2003, 
you could do that in the third period because at that time you could trap, you could hook, you could hold, and you could basically slow the game down to a, a, a very slow pace, right? And it worked. The rules now, thank God, don't allow that. And so, like, when you go into that prevent, you're leaving yourself no option to really just shut things down because, look, you know, that goal, that tying goal by the Golden Knights in the third period on Monday is a prime example. That type of thing is going to happen. And if the puck's in your zone, it is going to happen for sure. I mean, Jack Eichel made a play that was phenomenal to get that, that puck out front, and as Dean said, the problem then is, because I think he was actually passing it, uh, Jesse, to Carlson, yeah. who got a piece of it because he got the first assist and then tipped it back uh, to the kid that scored the goal. So there's like no way, and you can't grab that guy now. You know, back in the old days, you could grab that guy, you could interfere with him, and they wouldn't call it. So, yeah, I think that's the fine line here. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. And as you said, they've got what? They've got Pittsburgh left of Pittsburgh, St. Louis here at the Blackhawks, the Jets. That could be interesting. And then the Predators. Jesse, thanks much. We will talk to you next Wednesday. Declan, we'll be back soon for more uh, Judd's Hockey Show. Appreciate you checking us out and uh, follow along. Yeah, hit that subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Judd's Hawks will be ready to rock in the playoffs with Wild fans on Ventline, too. So get ready for that uh, here in a couple weeks, and we'll be back very soon. You know, there's no room for petty bullshit.